The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And on assignment this morning, being a good, proud papa is Mark Cranach. He has got, uh, I think it's volleyball camp this morning for his little girl. So Cranach will be back with us next week. We're excited to spend this morning with you till 9. Numbers to get in here on Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Five can watch the show, get caught up this morning as uh, we dive in to uh, all things uh, Nebraska here. Busy slate for Husker basketball this morning at 11 o'clock against Minnesota. Plenty to recap with both the Nebraska's coordinators yesterday as it was a later Friday press conference for Coach Satterfield. Uh, the Nebraska's new offensive coordinator that we've seen in action this year. We've heard some of the cat calls, so to speak, if you've been paying attention to South Carolina football, and then you've had a, a 180 on that with uh, how strongly South Carolina finished, arguably the two best wins in college football in back-to-back weeks, and almost the trifecta with Notre Dame uh, v. South Carolina in the bowl game. But Coach Satterfield uh, spoke to the media yesterday. Also, Coach Tony White, Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, uh, will have some of their thoughts here coming up. We'll rewind with uh, former Colorado Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett, Barney will check in. He weighs in on a myriad of topics and some of the college football world with uh, the championship game that is Monday TCU as they look to dethrone Georgia in hour two. Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. He'll join us uh, at 8.06. And then the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with us. Uh, can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. And Elijah, we're, uh, we're up and fired up this morning can watch the show and chime in on StreamYard with Hale Varsity's YouTube channel to watch the show and Hale Varsity Twitter at HVarsity Radio is where you follow that. That's also where you watch and can hear Coffee and Cream with uh, Damon Benning and Andrew Rogers weekdays here on ESPN Lincoln, 7 9 a.m. ESPN Lincoln Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Facebook. That's all the ways to access us. Were you able to, to get to bed Last night, I was going to say, 
Well, that, that, Need some time. That Southeast Southwest game last night was like a double shot of espresso. What a oh. phenomenal basketball <laughs> game. We had the pleasure of I, I got to listen to you. You got to go and see it and call it. What a phenomenal basketball game that was last night. Just like energized all night after a game like that because for people like you and me, we, we love high school basketball. Mm-hmm. A game like that is just perfection. Southwest down big. They come back at a big win on the home floor against the rival team. Students rush the floor. What a game it was. It, it, you know, it was so much fun to be a part of. It was a, a situation in a scene, and you've maybe experienced it maybe last night or not too long ago where you're in a high school gym. Maybe it's a small town. Maybe it's down the street, or maybe it's in the metro, or just maybe it's that buzz you feel uh, state tournament time, right, in March at PBA, but where – the uh, the PA person gets on the mic and says, can everybody please scoot together? We have a line of people. That sounds like Dr. Evil, <laughs> forgive me. But uh, we have, a, we have uh, a line of people still trying to stream in for tip-off. And, I mean, it was a capacity at Southwest. The nest was standing room. Some great video from, I heard that's Mike Sauter. He was on the floor. Uh, for it and caught up with Coach Baugh. Great effort by both teams. I mean, Southeast has been so much fun to watch this year. Just to give us a couple of minutes before we get into Husker football on high school basketball, uh, Southeast has had some really good moments this year, and they had really good moments last night where they built uh, an impressive 16-point lead on the road. And to counter that, you had some phenomenal teamwork and playmaking by Southwest to crawl back in this, turn up their defense. Uh, you had Coach Boss switch to a 1-3-1 zone that would have made Hakeem Warwick and Jim Beheim smile, uh, right? That, uh, that, that zone, Chuck Love was really good in that defense. That, that top spot in a 1-3-1. Uh, junior goes to Southwest and, and has known a lot of these kids that are, are real big-time playmakers even as sophomores right uh one of those is Braden Frager who went for uh, 28 points last night and he's an incredible talent uh you also well, I have mean, at one point in that Ryland game- Smith at, at point guard that was fantastic and then uh Lucas Helms really put on the Superman cape defensively to end it uh last night making a great play and, and Southeast had awesome guard play as well last night it was just a great ball game 78 76 and I was kind of praying for overtime. I mean, I wanted more. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be greedy and say I wanted more. I wanted free basketball, but uh, no. But, but, uh, but Schmitty, what we got was we had a good prob- time. probably the game of the year thus far, and it might be the, the, the game of the year by the time we get to the end of the year. Just phenomenal stuff. At one point in that game, you mentioned Braden Frager, his 28 points. At one point in that game, he was the only person on Southwest keeping them in that game. Goes in a personal 9-0 run to cut the lead from 14 down to 5, and then Southeast extends it back out yet again. But who's making plays down the stretch is Braden Frager. That, he was phenomenal, and if Southwest didn't have Frager last night, they could have lost that game by 20-25. But he sure. keeps, keeps him in that game, kind of sparks a run that gets him back into it in the second half. And, man, full credit to Southwest. That was just one of those games where I was glad I was able to sit in the studio and listen to that one because – Second, second from being there, listening to it on the radio is a great experience. And Schmidt, you did a great job last night, and I was on the edge of my seat in the studio. One of those ones where it's, it's a late night, not even mine, because that game. He's is so paid, good. folks. <laughs> he is paid to to be kind. Jeff Smith has been uh, my color analyst 
and he's been a Hall of Famer for a, a long, long time. He is the best as, as it gets uh, when it comes to his work and just breaking things down and what he sees with his uh, great basketball eyes. So if, if you want to check that game out, maybe you saw the highlights or you have a family member, and that's what's so special about high school basketball, high school football, is uh, the, the the coverage that's been on KFOR and ESPN Lincoln for forever. Uh, those games are podcasted, and Motsi does an amazing job. Will Wilson, too. Uh, you can get those on either ESPN Lincoln or KFORnow.com. That's where the, the games are, are posted. And uh, also on on each Twitter handle, I uh, can can go check those out. But that was it was just awesome last night to, to be a part of that experience. And I think Lincoln's got uh, a really bright uh, 2023 when it comes to their chances to have uh, impact in the state tournament. You, you'll have Lincoln teams get to state, but you may have Lincoln teams make some noise in state. Uh, Bell West is kind of off to the side in their own world they're that good they're nationally ranked but um, it's just a fun year for for basketball could be a fun year for for nebraska football elijah we've kind of scratched our head and racked our brain a bit with expectations i know when we got back from the new year break we were trying to figure out what's what's a fair expectation what's reality versus fantasy and you look at the cupboard, and, and that's really hard to tell with today's day and age of college football. You have to re-recruit your team uh, every few weeks, it feels like, and it seems like. And, and then you can add to your team just as easily as you can lose your team. Nebraska's had quite a bit of activity with the portal. Uh, when you look at Scott from Arizona State, right, a, a Hawaiian kid that – has had plenty of experience. He's presumably going to be an anchor for you at center as uh, Trent Nixon's moving on from an eligibility standpoint. Uh, you have some in-house options as well if you're Nebraska football. Uh, and then you, you have a couple of guys that are here, and, and you're also fighting for uh, a couple of guys. But uh, the Baylor guard, Mazuka, uh, is somebody that, has a ton of football experience. Uh, he's a guy that's from the Philly area. I mean, it, it, there's too much math to do here. It adds up to Nebraska. I'd be surprised if they don't get him, although Oklahoma's in, in a in a rush for him as well. But you did. Walter, it, it, Walter, Walter Rouse, mm-hmm. also from Stanford, that I think, man, uh, between Riola and Rule and these other eyes, Foley, uh, of course, Satterfield, who we'll hear from in, in his relationship with Raiola. There, there's a lot of molding, a lot of hands to mold this offensive line here with this first-year staff with Coach Rule. Well, and I think it's it's fair to say that that offensive line, what happens with it this offseason is probably the most important thing we could talk yes. about this offseason. Just with, with the, the poor play last season, to put it bluntly, and with a new coaching staff coming in that's emphasizing running the ball on lines of scrimmage play, what happens along that offensive line this offseason is, is more important than any other storyline, more important than backup quarterback or starting quarterback battle, kicker battle, 
whatever. Look across the whole field. There's nothing more important than offensive line. And I said that a couple times last offseason. I still might have undersold it last year whenever we saw what the offensive line looked like once the season finally got underway and how much it affected the team. And that's one thing about the offensive line is whenever they're doing their job, you don't notice them. Whenever they're not doing your job, you notice the hell out of them. That's the thing mm. with the offensive line. So it's going to be results driven. What does it look like in the fall? I don't think we're going to have a good idea of what the offensive line actually looks like in the spring. They're going to be playing around with some pieces, and I don't even think that you're going to have, A, your full complement of guys, or B, you're going to have guys that are going to enter the transfer portal following spring ball. So I'm going to be taking spring ball with a grain of salt, as you know you kind of always do, despite mm-hmm. the fact I'm still going to be tuning in on that Saturday and watching and making lofty assumptions that I probably shouldn't be making following the spring game. I'm going to try to keep myself in check right now and say take the spring game with a grain of salt. But nothing that is going down in this Husker football program this offseason is as important as what happens along the offensive line. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of counting the coaching change out of things. That's obviously really important. But aside from that, it's offensive line play. And you mentioned Mazuka. If you're into reading the tea leaves, we had Omar Hales on Thursday night tweet his classic gif of the fireworks going off in North <laughs> Stadium, which is his, his, his way of saying there's another commit in the boat, and I think Mazuka is the one a lot of people assumed it was, considering he visited a couple days earlier than the other guys. Sounds like he was here in Lincoln on Thursday. So you kind of do some math there with his ties to Matt Rule, with his ties to Philly. You go. Got Auburn still in the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oklahoma as well, but there, there's too much familiarity with uh, when you when you kind of go back to to the Philly connection. And and I think to your point about offensive line and the attention paid to it, and and we, you love talking it because you played it at a high level, uh, and, and we love really diving into it. The this the, the the need, and it was taken for granted for so long because it was so great. I mean, it, it was it was the best in college football, and it was just reloaded. And even if it was air quote down, it wasn't down for long. You'd have a a bounce back here if there was a year where you had to go with some young guys. So I think what can give you the most confidence as to why it can be better next year for Nebraska football is because of of the the attention that's going to be paid to the unit that has to be the engine, and that is the offensive line. You're going to have a blunt assessment by professionals – on what you truly do have on the offensive line. That's portal additions, that's holdovers, that's some young pups. And what, what you don't necessarily have next year that's different than in past years is that rush. You, you, you've had moments in the past five to seven years where you have played a freshman or a redshirt freshman. And... It's not just a spot start, uh, here we go, uh, where – think about Corcoran, right? Think about his, his first rodeo. And he did really well, right tackle at Rutgers. That was back in COVID 2020. But, but think about uh, how young – and they played a lot of football right now, and they need to be better, and they'll tell you that. But I think you're going to have a unified message. You're going to have a unified goal uh, between what your coordinator wants – what your running back slash run game coordinator wants and what your offensive line coach wants. I mean, that's, that's three cooks right there that instead of off making their own special part of Sunday brunch, they're all pitching in on the same plate, 
It's going to be the mother of all egg casseroles, I guess is the way to put it. And, and I think that's the big key and big difference uh, if, if you're a Nebraska fan and you want to be optimistic because there's going to be a point man, your head coach, who's an offensive line, offensive line I don't want to say guru, but uh, he, he loves it. He gets it. Uh, you have Satterfield, you have Foley, and you have Raiola. I mean, those are the eyeballs that are going to try and be perfecting uh, the recipe, so to speak, for, for Nebraska's offensive line play. And if that gets done right, Elijah, the rest of it can work. Well, and you made a point that I think is really interesting. That's the, 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 the play of true freshmen within recent years. Because I think back to 2017, and one of the big storylines that year was Brendan Hymas, the first true freshman starting tackle in Nebraska history, and since that season, 2017, five years ago, there's been three more of them with Ben Hart, with uh, Corcoran, and with Prohoshka. Three more true freshmen starting tackles. And you, you never go, had a bridge, did you? You never had a bridge. And I think back and I go, how did Nebraska football make it to 2017 without having a single true freshman starter at offensive tackle? And then the years since then, you've had three more. And it's not because college football is changing. You look around the rest of the Big Ten. And that's not the story with the other Big Ten schools, with the Michigans, Wisconsins, and Iowas of the world. And maybe Iowa would have made an exception this year if Caden Proctor would have come to Iowa. But alas, that's not happening. So just look around the rest of the Big Ten. That doesn't happen. Now Nebraska's had four within six seasons of true freshmen starting offensive tackles. And that's not college football change. And that's not NIL. That's not any different talent coming. And that's just what Nebraska has along the offensive line, not being up to snuff. And you look this year and you go, well, at least the, the offensive linemen that Nebraska brought in as true freshmen, at least you would hope, are not going to have to be thrust into duty with what Nebraska has. You have some guys ahead of them that can at least give them some time to develop, and I'm not going to call next year's offensive line a stopgap because that's a little bit offensive, I think, to the mm-hmm. next year's offensive line. It's a whole season, but I, I'm, I'm convinced that this, off, or this coaching staff knows that this offensive line is not in its final form just yet. So it's coaching these guys up to be what they can be, wait for the freshmen that you've brought in to develop up a little bit, make next year good enough where they're you know not the worst in the Big Ten as they've been over the past couple of years. Get them to that middle-of-the-road offensive line in the Big Ten, and that's good enough to have a successful offense within the Big Ten, in my opinion. And now, they, they want to have a true power-rushing attack, that pro style. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to reach its final form next season because of what you have along the offensive line, but I think that offensive line has enough talent to at least be a middle-of-the-road average Big Ten offensive line, which should be good enough to get you to a bowl game, and that shouldn't be as hard at Nebraska as some coaches have made it look over the past couple of years. How much lab time can you get with those offensive linemen from a mentality standpoint and a physicality standpoint where they can get some work done, get confident, get the reps down, get sprinkled in to get some playing time, but not be leaned upon to be forced to go stop a a Von Miller. We talked to our dear friend Searles a lot, and he's – he was still a redshirt freshman. He still had a year, right, of, of okay, there's there's Sue lining up across from you, just as, a, as an example, right? That probably wasn't a lot of fun, but it was probably pretty useful by the time it was it was time for Searles to get some some time. But think about it. I mean, Nick Gates, Hymas, I mean, go down the list of guys that either were promised early playing time or were the best option because of lack of development or recruiting misses or, or whatever or injury. And you just had this succession of, well, let's go with the young guy because maybe he's better than what we got and there's been very little development time or maybe the guy just didn't live up to, to branding and then you get thrown in. You never have a chance to get your feet underneath you, so to speak, and just get better. It's just 
lesson after lesson every Saturday where you're you're a problem or you're not up to snuff yet, and that's okay uh, because you shouldn't be playing, but you are. Uh, let's hear a little bit here from Coach Satterfield uh, as we get rolling here this morning on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. And let's uh, get his take on uh, Raiola here. The um, comments he made uh, regarding Raiola, the, uh, the offensive line, and uh, some of the improvements. Let's start there. Cut eight. We'll get into the development phase here, but improvements. Uh, we, we just talked about what can be maybe for year one, and we know where it needs to start, and that's the offensive line. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think receiver is a spot that, that we need to build. You know, we've got some good receivers. I just think that we need to build the depth there and the, uh, you know, different types of receivers. You know, you don't want them all to look the same and be the same. You need different, you know, different types of body types and stuff. So I think just, you know, filling some needs there. And I think we did a really nice job of that. Uh, you know, really fired up about the class we have coming in uh, from the first signing day. And I think that we can continue to do that this month. So that was receivers, uh, specifically some of the uh, areas of improvement. How about development and uh, the importance of development? Nebraska's not had that ability to, to hit pause, so to speak, and let some guys just kind of bake in the oven. It's the same mindset as Coach Rule, just development and not being stubborn in a bad way, but just continuing to believe in what we believe in and continuing to coach. And uh, you know, I think just watching Spencer Rattler uh, just his development, how he played at the end of the year was just a, just a culmination of hard work that started from last spring all the way through the season. And, uh, you know, if you do that and you trust that and, you, you know, you just keep developing, keep coaching, you're going to end up playing well at the right time, which is at the end of the season. So a lot's been written and made here of, of Marcus Satterfield. We'll go back uh, and, and just – kind of set the the tone here a little bit with uh the pro style offense and the the fullback the, those words fullback right <laughs> that word fullback and how nebraska fans smile about it but uh satterfield laid out yesterday afternoon just his his vision and that vision also being one with not only coach riola but uh for sure matt rule we're going to be a pro style offense like we actually get in a huddle which is kind of taboo these days. Like, we're going to get in a huddle and call football plays, and uh, we're going to use tight ends, and we're going to use a fullback, and we're going, to, we're going to, you know, run the football. We understand to be successful in the Big Ten, you've got to be able to run the football because you're going to play late in the season in some interesting weather games, and you can't just throw the ball, you know, all over the field. So uh, I see that, you know, we're starting from the standpoint of just being the physicality and playing good, clean football, and uh, I think that, you know, we're off to a good start with our recruiting. More from Coach Sanderfield. Uh, that is the pro-style offense, the fullbacks, and uh, here's how the offense can fit in the Big Ten. I mean, I think it's perfect, to be honest with you, just from a standpoint of, like, we are a little bit old school. Like, we're going to run the football. Like, everything's going to be, you know, start with winning the line of scrimmage and running the ball. You know, all the different throws and play actions and stuff come off of running the football. So I think... In order to win in this league, you got to be tough, you got to be blue collar, and you got to run the football, and you got to win the line of scrimmage, and that's where our offense starts. You know, I look at the Big Ten as a blue collar, tough league, full of tough guys. You know, playing tough games. It seems like every game's a 
one or two score game every single Saturday, whether you're at home or whether you're away. So I think that that's, uh, that's the way you got to play. And I think that's a recipe for you know, when you ultimately want to get to where we're, going, you know, where we're going to be winning championships, you've got to play that style. I mean, very few people have won, you know, national championships, championships doing it the other way. That offensive mindset here before we get uh, Coach Sanderfield's comments on Donnie Raiola, but uh, what that mentality needs to be for Nebraska moving forward in the Big Ten and uh, just in the world of college football. You see two tough-nosed football teams set to go on Monday, TCU, uh, out of the Big 12. Doesn't feel real Big 12. I know they're fast and flying around, but they, they feel a little bit more physical to me on the on the lines of scrimmage and then of course georgia and their pro style well especially tcu on, on defense with what yes. they, with what they do with their front seven their entire front seven not just the d line it's the entire front seven they fly around their physical offensively it goes through duggan but i mean yes physicality is, is mm. definitely emphasized with that tcu program well when i think of nebraska i think of hard work blue collar chip on their shoulder midwest tough 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 kids and uh you know, a coach we talked to that used to coach here gave us some great advice, like, you know, build your line of scrimmage with Nebraska kids and they'll die for Nebraska. And that's what I kind of – I've adopted in my mindset and that's what I think that, you know, is going to be a good recipe for us to have success on offense. Finally, let's hear from Coach Sanderfield on Donnie Raiola. And uh, Ryan chimes in from the Mountain Time Zone. Ryan, good morning. Uh, Brando, good morning to you too, partner. Thanks for checking us out this uh, this morning here on the weekend edition of Hale Varsity, but uh, Donnie Raiola, because that's Elijah. That's been the kind of the the, the wow uh, so far is ah huh, Raiola got retained huh wow, but there, there's a method to it, and it was really pretty fascinating to hear that conversation and to have Satterfield become a Raiola guy, and then go to rule with what he wanted. You hear coaches talk about, and Bill Bush was great at this, and Coach Darlington's talked about it with this, where if you love a guy, you jump on the table for him, right? Can you imagine this in your mind's eye where there's some coach in a conference room, uh, khakis, Adidas, you know how coaches dress and look, and they're jumping up and down on top of a table. It's, it's the opposite of Bill's Mafia doing the uh, parking lot dive onto uh, to the pull-out, fold-out table. This is your giant oak uh, full-room length table that you would imagine in the conference room, right? And there's this coach jumping up on the table screaming for his guy. Well, that's, that's what happened here with Raiola and, and Satterfield. I love him. Uh, you know, when you, when you come and you, you know, you, you're taking a new job, there's all those weird situations with former, you know, the coaches that are on the staff. Are they going to stay? Are they going to be kept? Uh, I met with him uh, with every intention of not liking him, you know, because you're a new guy. You've got in your brain like, hey, I want to bring this guy, this guy, this guy. And I spent about 30 to 35 minutes with him and just fell in love with him. Like just his teaching method, his mindset, his uh, commitment to player development, his commitment to Nebraska, the passion he spoke about when he talked about Nebraska and how important it was to him. And uh, I went to coach and coach was like, do we want to, you know, do we want to go down this road? I was like, 100%. I stayed on coach for, you know, two days. Like, don't drag your feet. Let's, let's keep this guy. This is my guy. I want this guy. So uh, excited to have him. And he's gonna help us do some really good things. Pretty good backstory right there. Uh, the explanation from Coach Satterfield. We'll hear from Tony White uh, next hour and Brandon Vogel in a bit. Rewind coming up. 
Weekend edition is here at Hale Varsity Radio. Can uh, watch us live here, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, and of course Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter as well at H Varsity Radio. Rewind coming up with Coach Gary Barnett. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Some college football thoughts as we gear up for the national title game. Gary Barnett with this Hall of Fame coach. Coach, happy 2023. How you doing? Doing well, Chris. I, I managed to avoid all the travel issues and the cold weather and uh, just sort of hang out down here in Arizona and uh, watch maybe the best bowl season I've ever seen. It, it really was sensational. I mean, it seemed like from the very first game to the last game, it was just Unbelievable. I mean, you finish off, you know, not necessarily with Penn State, Utah, but you finish off with SC and Tulane the way you did. Oh, my gosh. Just great football. It was. And I I look at Kansas's comeback for overtime during this bowl season and how that happened. I look at Texas Tech's finish. You're right about uh, USC Tulane. Some of us did did not get down to Arizona to see you. Even the, the semis, Coach, with TCU's ability to hang on and Michigan's late charge, and then how about Ohio State getting outscored like they did in the fourth quarter by Georgia? Just high-level ball. When you look at these situations as a coach, do you console your guys if you don't hold a lead, or do you uh, look at it and say, man, what what a comeback we had. We can take that with uh, us the rest of our lives. I mean, there's two sides of that coin. Yeah, you probably do a little bit of both. I mean, you when you get to that level, you, uh, at that you know, in a playoff game like that, and you play your hearts out. You know it's not going to be a perfect game. You know that there's going to be breaks that are going to be go go your way, and breaks that are going to go the other way. And that's why the game is as great as it is, is because you just never know. And you get to that level, and I think those are two of the best two uh, playoff games we've seen in a long time. But but man, gosh, if if you can't get excited about college football watching those two games, then you you need to check your pulse. But they were great. I mean, Ohio State, I felt for that kicker, mm. you know, and Ryan Day, and you know you. But you also Georgia stops them right where they had to stop them, and you know Georgia's defense finally came to play in the fourth quarter. But man, it took them a while to get caught up, and it just. You're you're playing with young people, and you know both sides are well coached, and both of them are trained, and both of them know what's going on, and then you got to go play it. And uh, you know a lot of it depends on breaks, but and you realize how fragile that is when you're coaching all the time. You know anybody can do anything anytime, and you train your kids that way. And you you know I mean you talk about that all the time. You you know it's not all their fault. Some of it's the other guys. <laughs> was playing better than you were that time or that play. So that's the way it goes. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, as we look at needing 40 to 45 points in these bowl games to win it, 
What do you say to your defensive coordinators out there? Just do the best you can, dudes. You know, <laughs> understand that any stop, any stop's a good stop. And so uh, forcing a field goal uh, becomes really important. And, you know, we didn't have a great year of scoring, I didn't think, throughout the year. I had to see the stats, but – but uh, I thought we had, a, at least at the NFL level, we had a lot more defense being played than offense. And mm-hmm. colleges, maybe not so much. But uh, you get to those two games, and you you got high-powered offenses operating. And, um, you know, your defense may be good, but, but the other side of the ball might be even better. So it, this is what you get. But you do. You just Every stop becomes critical. And, and that's why you fight for every yard. You fight for every measurement. And... Um, you know, it's, it's that's the drama of the whole doggone thing. Coach, want to get your thoughts on, on Max Duggan. Uh, had a chance to see him in high school just a, across the river in Council Bluffs from Omaha. And uh, he has persevered. He's a coach's kid. There's so much pride in him, not only in the Bluffs region, but also in Omaha. What What is, what is his task Monday night against this Georgia defense. What what is the the recipe TCU and Coach Sonny need to follow? They don't need to change much. They just need to do what they've done all year. They've it's in their DNA now to get as far behind as they'll let you, and they can come <laughs> back. And they know that, you know. And they played that. What when you do that seven times during the year, it's it becomes who you are. And so that that's a great confidence factor. That that. You don't uh, get to the third quarter and, and be and you're losing and you, and you can't find your way out of it. This, this team goes right down to the last play of the game and they know it. And and that's really valuable that your kids understand that your players understand that this will go or can go to the last play of the game. You must fight 70 plays both sides of the ball. And uh, Georgia had a surprise. They, you know, Georgia had to come back. They've only come back one other time during the year, and that was against Missouri. And uh, you know, they they got a little taste of that. So you could find two teams in this in this uh, uh, championship game that both are going to play right down to the last play of the game. You think it's going to be a close ball game, or do you think Georgia's got too much? Well, I mean. Twelve and a half points is a lot of points uh, for a championship game. I mean, it's it's pretty much a, it is a lack of respect for TCU and for the Big Twelve, I think. But uh, um, TCU just beat maybe the best team in the country. So uh, before that game, have been a everybody would have figured it might be it's going to be Michigan or Georgia that Michigan was playing at the highest level. Well, guess what? TCU played at a higher level than that. Georgia didn't. So, you know, is Georgia going to come out and play like they did last week? Are they going to come out and play like they have most of the year? Well, if TCU plays like they have most of the year, they're going to win the game because that's who they are. So, I don't know. I, I, I would take the points and watch the game and, and see what happens. But uh, I, I think it you never know. You hope these are great games for the sake of the sport. Mm. But sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. And it comes down to injuries, you know, Um I mean, Ohio State, that game came down to Harrison getting hurt. Yeah. If he doesn't get hurt, Ohio State probably wins that game. But he got hurt. And those things you can't – there's no way you can plan around those. Did Did Michigan try and get too cute on offense? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, you, you do things for a reason, and the reasons are, are good, solid. 
and um, and if you decide to go that way with, with a little more razzle dazzle than you normally have, then you know either live with it or die with it. But it's a, 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 you make it. You don't sit there and go, let's make some really stupid decisions in this game. No, that's not what do you intentional. Think? <laughs> who get who gets to do the first one? Uh, well, we'll coach. Yeah. So uh, no, it's uh, I don't know if they got too cute, but. Uh, you know, they were playing a good football team. I think they were surprised to see TCU as good as they were. That's where I want to go. TCU, are they just built a little different than a lot of the Big 12? They seem uh, really blue-collar, but they are I think they're super physical. I mean, they, they tackle well, and then they've got explosiveness as well. Well, you, you got to understand, that team is built by Gary Patterson. And Gary Patterson is one tough-minded, hard-nosed, dude and uh sonny just brought an offense to him and uh a couple players through the portal uh to fill in the holes that tcu had before when they let gary patterson go so this is a combination of of sonny's organization and sonny's offense and the tcu uh tough-mindedness that gary patterson created coach let's talk jim harbaugh and do you think he's fishing, or do you think he really wants to head off to the NFL? I think he wants to head off to the NFL. Um, I, I was good friends with Rich Rodriguez back when he was at West Virginia, and he went and almost took the job at Alabama and then came back. They built him a new weight room, and then he almost took the job somewhere else and came back because they built him a new academic center, and then he was toying with Michigan, and he came back, and they said, nah, go to Michigan. We've had enough of this. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be careful what you wish for. But I think any college coach in his right mind is going to look at the NFL right now because let me, you, it's so hard to do what they have to do in college right now. The mm-hmm. roster manage, you have to have such a staff, you, the NIL out of control. Um, you know, it's It's crazy. And you can't just be a ball coach. And Jim's a ball coach. He doesn't like all this other stuff, and most of us don't. And he's that age group that he's he's closer to my age than yours, probably. And so he needs to. And I don't blame him at all for going and looking. And if 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 he Michigan gets mad, so be it. But Jim Harbaugh's got his life to live, and and you know it looks more fun to me right now in the NFL than it does in college. Gary Barnett, a couple minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Nebraska able to go to the portal and get Sims from Georgia Tech. Uh, Casey Thompson going to be back. Uh, what what does that do for the quarterback room, having both of those options, in your opinion, for, for a year one with Coach Rule? Well, you, you, you saw this year how important it was to have two quarterbacks. And so you, you have to, in this day and age, you have to have two quarterbacks. And um, it just gives them needed depth. And you just hope Sims is good enough to push Thompson a little bit, but at least come in and, and perform at a high level if, if injuries occur again. So you, you've got to have depth at the quarterback spot. There's just a couple places where you absolutely have to have depth, and that is place number one, I'd say. What do you think Coach Rule's walking into? And we, we spent some time on it this week where – your starting point uh, of a program year one for you and Nebraska has been like some other programs that it's just had way too much turnover, but there's been some talent uh, in the cupboard, so to speak. And uh, 
your job is to maximize that talent, recruit it. I mean, so far, so good with what he did in the recruiting world. Uh, now you get here. But um, I, I guess the question is, is how far down or uh, how far to go to stabilize Nebraska with, with rules history and, and also what he's coming into? Well, I, I think, uh, first of all, you need to just – uh, turn your resources back on, turn them up a little bit higher, because you've got resources in Nebraska. And and then, you know, do what you do. I mean, Matt Matt got there by building two programs up, taking one over at Baylor that was in shambles, and then turning Temple around. Uh, he came in after Al Golan, and Al did a good job, because that was a total rebuild. And between the two of them, they created, you know, uh, something that hadn't been done and so I think Matt just needs to do what he does, and I think that uh, he needs to turn the burners on and the resources that Nebraska has. He, he, Nebraska wasn't that far away. Uh, when you look at the number of games, especially over the last two years that they've lost, they're not that far away. They just haven't been over to get, get over, haven't been able to get over the hump. And now that's Matt's job is to get him over that hump. But he's got resources, he's got tradition, he's got all that on the side. He's got fan base, and so you just go. This isn't a rebuild, you know, at all. And and I think he knows that when he went there, or he knew that. So um, I think he does what he does, and he lets the Nebraska resources get turned up a little bit, and he'll be just fine. Coach, want to end it with uh, with Hamlin and uh, and Buffalo, and and just tap into you with just a difficult situation and how you were able to lead during it. And I look at Coach McDermott and Coach Zach Taylor. Uh, obviously, the first responders phenomenal, uh, and just the outpouring incredible. But uh, coaches had to, to to be leaders in that moment, and and they were. And and how do you or can you prepare yourself for something uh, that is emotionally and, and and draining and very scary? Well, you can't prepare yourself for it, but what you can do is seize the moment and realize that you are, you, you know, you lead day in and day out in various other areas, and and you're an example. But this this particular situation, it's so high profile. And so many people are watching. This is your greatest chance to lead. And I think yeah, if you seize that moment, you realize that, and you take controls and you do what what needs to be done. And whatever that is you feel it needs to be, you do it. And um, you know it's it is hard. I've I've had three of those, and it's uh, two. One survived, two didn't. And um, it's you know it's just. It's just overwhelming, but you gather yourself, you you make yourself the best you've ever been, mm-hmm. and then do what you can and do what instinctually you know you should do, and 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 that's all you can do. Coach, you said you've had instances you've lost a couple players, correct? Was it due to injury, yeah. or is it, was it was it injury related, or was it off field? It was uh, all three of them. Were, well, two of them were off the field. One mm-hmm. was on the field. So you did, you did yeah, lose so, you did lose a player on the field. Well, we did, he's the one that survived. Eddie Reinhardt at okay. Oregon survived in 1984, and, and our team did not want to play for. I mean, they didn't want to practice for for three weeks. I mean, we were a mess. But um, you know, guys didn't want to play anymore, and 
So you, you have to, you know, you're the guy in charge. You're the guy that you're their father at that point in time. And you've got to do what you, you need to do. The other two was Sal and Essie, of course, died of mm-hmm. stomach cancer. And then I, my first college week of college coaching, I had a player at Fort Lewis um, uh, fall off a cliff on a Sunday. They had the day off, fall off a cliff, diving into the pools up in Durango. And, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't make it. And, I, you know, that was uh, – I mean, we couldn't even find him for a while. So yeah, that's that's tough stuff, and you you can't say, well, I've done this once, I can do it again. Uh, uh-uh. it's a different situation every time. Coach, thanks for your perspective uh, with this situation, and we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon and be a little more cheery. But thank you so much, Coach. Good to spend okay, time Chris. with you. Yeah, good to be with you, man. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr the hail varsity radio saturday morning show strap yourselves in here are your hosts chris schmidt y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll time and mark cranak time has come for someone to put his foot down that foot is me. Back with you, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranack is on assignment. He was pretty fired up about uh, the volley camp, volleyball camp his little girl's going to this morning. So, we're uh, tipping the cap to Cranack uh, being a good papa this morning. Well, whenever you're, uh, you're more, whenever you're more fired up about a volleyball camp than the fullback coming back, you know it's serious. So respect to Mark Cranack. Well, right now, Cranack is just nodding in approval with a cup of coffee probably right now, thinking of a fullback uh, dive that uh, Coach Satterfield, in an ode to Nebraska football toughness, called way back in 2011. Uh, if you look at that uh, that first matchup, we welcome in the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel. Get your subscription digitally. Get your subscription to the magazine, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. Uh, offer is where you go. Vogues is in his football office, can watch the show as well as listen on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. Before we jumped on air, Vogues, uh, Gertie the German Shepherd, uh, she doesn't get out of Junior's room for much, but she knew it was 8.06 Saturday morning, so she came out to say uh, good morning to you, Vogues, and, and also, uh, you know, kind of wag her tail uh, regarding that, that fullback uh, dive that, that Coach Satterfield called. Man, if we do the math, what, 12 years ago now? How are you this morning? 
I'm doing well. Uh, first, guten Morgen, uh, Gertie. Appreciate, appreciate you coming out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, fullback's back. I uh, don't know who that person is yet on this uh, Nebraska roster, but i uh, got some time to find somebody, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're going to use a fullback once we find a fullback, right? We well, were well, kind of shooting that around yesterday. We we're talking with Jacob Padilla. I was like, okay, sweet. The fullback's going to be used, but uh, is Ben Miles coming back? Does he have some eligibility? <laughs> I, I think uh, the most. I saw Ben Miles on a. <laughs> go for it, Mo. Go ahead, Elijah. No, no, please, please. Floor is yours. No, you saw, I saw, you saw Ben, ben Miles signing? on an old Nebraska recruiting recruiting list, and I was like, oh, those those were the, the all-too-brief days, uh, the time that Les Miles' son was a, was a Cornhusker. Well, I remember, actually, uh, I didn't bring this up yesterday, but on my new student enrollment day at UNL was also his first new student enrollment day. I remember seeing him being like, well, I thought for a fullback you'd be a lot bigger. Um, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. That's just what I remember from my memory. That's like literally the only thing I remember, seeing him being like, wow, he's – Shorter than me. I wasn't expecting that. Anyway, I digress. I think the most like fullback way to do it, though, to, to get your fullback for next year is to have open tryouts among the students of the University of Nebraska. Have them all line up pads, um, three-point stands. Have them go take on you know some linebacker in the hole and just whoever wins the competition is your starting fullback next year. I think that's a very fullback way to do it. And you got to have the questionnaire, as somebody was talking about yesterday, what type of beer do you drink? Do you have hunting gear in your car? Make it through all that. You can block a linebacker in the hole. Boom, you're Nebraska's next starting fullback. That, that's how you should do it. Do you drive a truck? Yeah, do you have a neck I mean, roll or are you required required to be issued issued one? Um, I mean, yeah, it'd be a great way to find out, you know, if some of the long-held beliefs we have about the state of Nebraska are true because if, if so, still today, there should be, you know, no shortage of ready-made fullbacks just walking around the general student body. So I agree, open tryouts, and I think, I, I would really like to find out, how, you know, we, we talk about how many Husker fans are going to be at Northwestern or how many Husker fans are making a trip to Columbus. I want to know how many Husker fans would show up to open fullback tryouts. Oh, there, there'd be a line out the door. And, I mean, the resume says, okay, I wrestled three years in, in high school and, and made people cry. Um, that, to your point, I, I, I do have a neck roll. And, uh, yeah, the old Oklahoma drill. I mean, we, we've we watched it uh, for years where uh, it's it's two on two and you've got a lineman, you've got a lead blocker, and you've got a ball carrier, and then you got a couple of guys on the other side of the line trying to fight through and, uh, and make that one-on-one very painful for the offensive side. But, you know, I, I want to go to the, the uh, stream yard for a moment and then sal asks a question and it's 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 a good question and you know fullbacks are big three three fives fascinating to hear coach white talk about it the offensive line cohesion that's that's needed but from a signal caller standpoint you've got some special quarterbacks that are going to take center stage monday uh, for the for the national championship game and don't kid yourself as good as both sides of the lines and both sides of the balls are for Georgia and for TCU uh, what's made that that what's stirred the drink so to speak has been quarterback play in Nebraska that that's a key element and when we talk about the fullback here to get to Sal's question uh, will that put brakes on on getting a quarterback. I think quarterbacks, yes, they want to throw the football. Yes, they want to 
being a fun, high-flying offense. But I think the the common thread with your great quarterbacks is is they just kind of want to win uh, above all. I mean, stats are great. Touchdown passes are wonderful. Uh, being the uh, the big man on campus as a stud quarterback is fantastic. But, you know, I think the, the, the main trait, Vogues, is get me that win uh, and and let's just let the offense work. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're really truly talking about a, a mature team guy versus a me guy. Yeah, I would agree. I think it, it, it shade maybe it shades Nebraska away from, you know, a handful of probably the most true dual threat guys. Um, Satterfield, you know, mentioned the quarterback run game when, when talking to the media yesterday, which is interesting. Um, it, you know, to be honest, I, I caught South Carolina a couple of times just on TV this season, but I haven't gone back and like, and watched, you know, for some of these like true dual threat quarterbacks and, you hear this from coaches pretty often, actually, like a lot of these high school kids are, are in the shotgun full time. So that'll be something that'll be interesting to watch too. Uh, if Nebraska is going to go pro style, it doesn't mean you have to be under center, but I presume they'll be under center a little more than they've been in the past. Um, that might not appeal to a certain guy, but at the end of the day, like you'll be able to find, I think the quarterbacks you want. Yeah. You, you probably do limit yourself a little bit just by, by going with, with kind of a pro style approach and, and having that fullback in you know, full house backfield. Well, Brendan, am I way off base here? It's a point I made up yesterday whenever we were uh, talking with Brady Altman's and that's that how I really potentially see this going based on what I saw from Satterfield and his offenses at Baylor uh, based on what he said yesterday that, you know what, the Baltimore Ravens might be a, a a reasonable blueprint for what this offense wants to be, where you look at, they line up in the pistol, but they still have a fullback in with Ricard lined up next to the quarterback. They got the running back right behind. And I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's a running quarterback. He's a rushing threat, but that's still a pro style offense with how they like to run the football. I see that offense. They, they sprinkle in some RPO action. And I go, man, is, maybe that's a, a an elevated version of what this Nebraska offense wants to become. And you know what? I think there's a lot of great quarterbacks out there that would run that Baltimore Ravens offense. You hand it off a lot, but you use your legs. You still show off the quarterback arm strength. And I just look at that and I go, man, multiple tight ends. It almost seems like a perfect fit for what Marcus Satterfield was talking about yesterday. Yeah, I think I think you're on the right track there, Elijah. You know, <laughs> Satterfield was very clearly passionate. Like he wasn't just talking about it because somebody asked. Like he really was passionate about about the huddle. And I, you know, enjoyed, I hadn't heard a coach talk about kind of the aspects of the the huddle, the value he sees in it. And I'm guessing that might be as much uh, the biggest kind of departure. The the thing that signifies it is quote unquote pro style, because like you mentioned, everything's so mixed up now. Like, I don't know how you could play in today's college football without coming up with some way to implement RPO um, and and things like that. Uh, So It'll end up being, you know, a pretty good blend, I think, uh, by the time we get to, to 2023 and get our first look at this offense. But it was interesting to hear it kind of laid out here at the very start. You know, I, I love that comp, Elijah, with, with Baltimore because it is super unique. And it's because of, of the talent of a guy like Lamar Jackson. But it shows that it's doable. Now, you got to have depth. You got to stay healthy. And, and that's the trick with asking your quarterback to run. But Vogue's to go back. Can you do it? Can you be all things 
first and foremost physical on the offensive line. That's that's the uh, the box you got to check. But I I think you can do it. I think you can find a quarterback that's a willing runner that is going to stress the defense enough to have to pay attention to it Monday through Thursday in practice, but not overdo it to where, all right, is a second team or third team quarterback going to have to go win a couple of ball games? Uh, also, while being able to, to do both, you can be out of the pistol or shotgun, but you're not so foreign to under center that there's fumbled snaps. I mean, it, it just comes down to, to the appropriate amount of time, a, a drill and all of it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that so the thing that stood out to me about kind of noting that, and this was really the first time I think offense had really come up uh, as far as this rule staff was, and it was obviously our first chance to talk to Satterfield, but I, I didn't know coming in exactly what sort of system they would run. So going pro style says a couple of things. I think the positive piece of it, because it scratches an itch that hasn't been scratched at Nebraska for a while, is if you're going to do that, if you're going to huddle and you're going to rely, like we're going to win the line of scrimmage, we're going to run the football, like you're betting on your execution level being high enough to do those things. Um, and it's, it, you know, it, Going the opposite way, I guess the, the the potential negative, if you were someone who was maybe like, oh, really, we're going to go boring old pro style instead of all this fun stuff colleges do now, <laughs> uh, you're probably le- – you're not aiming to score. I mean, you are, but you're probably not going to put up 40 points a game. That's not going to be how you're going to win. I, I think South Carolina the past two years was right around 33 points, middle of the pack in the SEC. So – Going pro style, in my mind, really, really puts the emphasis on execution, which is football very broadly. Um, the team that executes the best wins. Going some of these these spread concepts or up-tempo, et cetera, often becomes a way to kind of create an advantage that might not be there. This puts the focus squarely, I think, on where it needs to be. Vogues, I would argue that after the past seven years, there's very few Husker fans that are going to be sitting back and saying, man, we're going back to running the football. I liked all those bells and whistles we saw over the past couple years. I'd argue that's a little different. But speaking of getting back to old school, being physical with the quarterback, as Schmitty said, does do, do Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield strike you as the type of coaches that are going to take off the green practice jerseys from, from the quarterbacks at the spring game and you know let those guys actually get some hits in? Is that how they strike you? Because we haven't seen that since Bo Pelini. Yeah, we haven't. And it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did – maybe in the game itself, but during spring practice, it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if – you know, because they've, they've got some sorting out to do with just the number of quarterbacks still on the roster there. Um, that can be a good way. You know, you're going to have a totally new install this spring offensively, so you'll be working through that as well. But this does strike me as the kind of staff that, that's going to want as, as good a look, as true a look as it can get in the spring. While, of course, trying to, you know, avoid injury as everybody does. Brandon Vogel, a few minutes with us this morning. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition at Brandon L. Vogel's where you follow Vogue's on Twitter. Read him with HailVarsity.com and magazine. Vogue's want to go to the defensive side of the ball. And what were some impressions you had from Tony White? Uh, energy, yes. Exciting, yes. But also... Pretty confident, and and the the gist of who we've heard from to me, Bud says that they're they're not like stubborn or set in stone. They're they're 
they believe in what they want to do, but I think they're pretty flexible. And that is that speaks to their, their confidence of, to your point, knowing what they want to do and, and being able to execute it. They're going to get the guys in position to, to be able to perform what they want. Yeah, I found I found White to be a fun a fun listen, a fun interview, um, pretty relatable coach, you know, and just our, our first public access to him. Um, and I mean, the flexibility that you mentioned, they kind of hired the guy who, who comes from the, the defensive system meant to provide that flexibility. And I thought he did a good job, you know, talking about that. You know, you can look at the three, three, five, where it started, where it's been used, um, and and maybe have some reservations. Though maybe we're we're past that as, as TCU keeps is playing for a national title this this week um, or this Monday. You know, I I get it, but White did a good job of talking about it. He's like, look, we're heavy on D line when there's nothing to say we can't run a four man front, and finding that that kind of perfect nickel. They don't even know, you know, where that person is yet because they haven't been able to be with the players on the field. So, it's I'm really interested to see what happens on defense because there it feels like you know the possibilities are pretty unlimited. Vogue, are you surprised that thus far? Nebraska hasn't been hitting the, the transfer portal for defensive linemen. And I know we're still early in the transfer portal, relatively speaking, still nine months away from a season. But are you surprised with how hard they've been hitting the offensive line, at least that the defensive line hasn't been going hand in hand? Or is this get back to the point you made on Thursday, which is that, you know what, lines of scrimmage are a hot commodity. And it's going to be fi- hard to find, you know, ready-made defensive linemen in the portal right now. Yeah, I think it's probably more of the, of the latter, though I think it's fair to say, you know, what you're saying essentially is you look at how many offensive linemen they've brought in as potential transfers uh, and compare it to D-line, there, there's a clear priority there. You know, Elijah Judy, I think, helps that a little bit. Um, you have, you know, some players coming back who have played a decent amount of football this, this past season. So it might be one where they're just kind of, it's not their top, top priority, but I would agree. I think it's one of those spots that I identify, you know, once we get to the post-spring transfer portal, uh, could be an area of emphasis for them. Vogues, I want to stay with the defensive line. And you mentioned Judy, and I, I look at Chief coming in with with kind of his accolades and intelligence. I mean, the guy's just brilliant uh, from, a, from an academic standpoint, but, man, he's got the measurables their needed impact on this defense and then the blend that you think can exist because technically i mean win wins still here right the 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 bama transfer you still have polar bear and you still have robinson i know there's been departures and defections as well with with uh, nelly which is too bad but but best wishes to him let's spend a second on that blend two of the new names from high profile stars at one point in their career going to sec schools and then also how you think a guy like robinson win uh and and the polar bear can thrive uh, under pot roast when max obviously yeah i think to, you've got to jump ch- in on this <laughs> yeah sorry about that um <laughs> yeah i think anytime you have a kind of coaching change you know it can Players like Nash Huttmacher, who are, are clearly were a recruiting priority, uh, talented player, just kind of trying to start to find their way onto the field uh, a little bit this past season. 
I think it's usually a really good spot for a player like that. You get a new set of eyes. You're not starting from scratch, though, in terms of what you know about playing college football and, and what it takes. So he's somebody I would look at and be pretty encouraged for. I mean, that's even true for, for Robinson. And then the other piece you mentioned, I think this does dovetail with kind of Elijah's previous point about why not more defensive interest in defensive linemen. I think they feel good about some of those those players coming in from the, the high school ranks. And, you know, that's a big ask on the D-line. But this staff, where they've been previously, has not been afraid to go young uh, when they have those type of players. And that's something we were talking about last hour, Vogues, that – uh, at least along the offensive line, what a departure it's been in recent years with how many true freshmen you've had starting along the offensive line, where in 2017 we're talking about Hymas being the first ever true freshman starting tackle in Nebraska history, and then since then there's been three more. And and while that speaks a little bit to how college football changed, it mostly speaks to what Nebraska's had along its, its offensive line. And Do you think defensive line is different in that, right? Or do you think that there still needs to be some seasoning time along the defensive line for those true freshmen coming in? And it, it's a a good thing if those guys aren't getting playtime till year three, year four. Yeah, I think it's generally a, a good thing on the D line, just like it is on the O line, but maybe not to the to, to quite the same degree. Um, it, depending on where you're at on the, the defensive line, too. I think the biggest thing with uh, playing early on on the D line is just being physically able to handle it. And, you know, if you're an edge guy, maybe a pass rush specialist, you can be a little bit lighter and still, you know, if you're supremely athletic, get away with it. Um, so I think that they'll have a couple of those guys who, who might fill that role. Um, but yeah, seasoning still matters on, on the defensive line, maybe just not quite as much as the O-line. And, and that's a really interesting way to look at it, Elijah. I hadn't thought of it, but <laughs> that series of how young Nebraska has been up there, um, probably not a great sign and we've seen the results that it, it, it wasn't a great sign brandon vogel a couple minutes with us here this morning on hail varsity weekend edition and uh, can find brandon vogel on twitter at brandon l vogel vogues i, I want to wrap with uh, some of the portal options that nebraska's going on uh, going after again to, to add to the to the offensive line uh Makusa from from baylor uh, a lot of experience under his belt uh and of course walter rouse the the left tackle from stanford that was a freshman all-american and that was his starting point and the the abilities there where he's been uh an honorable mention all pack 12 but you i you've studied a lot of o-line you've studied a lot of david shaw and uh and stanford football Touch on on what Rouse's addition could mean if that happens, and then also ballpark your take on just the, the likelihood of of getting a guy like uh, Makuza if that's not already a done deal based on fireworks. Yeah, um, I mean Rouse, you know, listed as an offensive tackle, played a lot of football at Stanford. You know, I mentioned it when we talked earlier in the week. I have a great deal of confidence in the, uh, the the level of instruction for the o-line uh, if you're coming from stanford it's it's you know they kind of fell off a little bit but in recent years but that's still uh, for a long time what what the cardinal was known for under david shaw so you're getting experience you're getting somebody who you would expect to to come in and play right away if he if he were to to pick nebraska i do think mazuka is a little bit 
more likely you mentioned there's always already some some twitter smoke on that but you just look at the connections you know he's a philly guy uh and then went to baylor uh, an under armor all-american as a prep player uh and we'll give nebraska some uh, some experience on the interior you know that you look at this o-line and i don't think anything's really set um in, in stone going into next year so it's going to be uh, an interesting spring up there folks i know we said last stop i got one more for you before we get you out and it's completely off on a, on a different world different tangent but nfl the uh the owners agreed yesterday that there's potential for a neutral site afc championship game should it be two teams that are tied in, in percentage wise but they uh are had the same number of wins excuse me but didn't play the same number of games so say the bills and the chiefs meet in the afc title game uh potential for it to be on a neutral field and i want to get your take if it's being played on a neutral field where does brandon vogel put the afc championship game um, ooh. Boone, North Carolina, uh, <laughs> Appalachian State Stadium is one of my one of my Beautiful. favorites. Uh, also, also Wyoming, uh, Wyoming football stadium, uh, which I believe is also a, a memorial stadium. I, I like stadiums in the mountains, so uh, let's put those let's put those NFL teams in a in a. We're not even going to go Memorial Stadium. You got to go G five. Dare I uh, say that's where my head's at? Dare I say Boise State on the blue turf? There we go. Uh, I, I I like that. Um, that's that also mountains. Uh, so that that one that one works for me as well. Vogues just wants to make sure that John Dutton can get to the uh, the AFC title <laughs> game uh, out there in uh, the train station country. Vogues, you're taking the points. You're, you're leaving the points for TCU Georgia before we say goodbye. Uh, last I saw, it was 12 and a half. <laughs> get a little higher than that. That's That would be even better. And I suspect it probably will closer to kickoff. At that point, I might, might have to take the frogs and the points. All right. Folks, have yourself a weekend. Thanks for your time and, and insight this morning, bud. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There is, you too. There he is, Brandon Vogel, managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. And uh, get a deal and get taken care of if you're a Nebraska fan with uh, incredible Big Red coverage, uh, the magazine, and, uh, of course, the digital content from all your friends at Hale Varsity. Get that subscription today. HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. The Iron Horse in the on-deck circle. Gary Sharp on the way. It's Hale Varsity weekend, and we're presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Weekend edition continues. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. NFL action this weekend. Playoff implications. Of course, TCU gets rolling 
on Monday night against Georgia. We bring in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with us to talk all things pigskinned and beyond. Sharpie, good morning. How are we doing? Hey, good morning to both of you guys. I know there's a statue of limitations on how long you can say Happy New Year, but we weren't together last week, so Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. You've seen that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I have. That's classic. Good uh, good recall there. Nicely done. <laughs> what's, 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 what's Larry David's take? It's been three days. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so good. Uh, I want to get your your recap on uh, on yesterday, Sharpie, and and a take on on Satterfield and and specifically wait 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 coordinator Mister Tony before, Tony White. Before we move on, and Tony, before we move on, he I, wants passion, right? That's the word he associated with what what you're gonna see and how it translates for defense. You're gonna see guys fired up to play. And there you go. What's the word you would have used if you could ballpark Nebraska's defense the last three or four seasons? What word do you associate with? The new word's passion. The past word was what? Uh, hold on one second. You were going to say something, Elijah? Yeah, you know, we, we, we need to get a statute of limitations here because I see Schmitty's still got a Christmas tree in the background, and it's January. Dude, what, are oh. I, listen, what are we listen, doing? I know yesterday, oh. was, was, yesterday was National Take Your Tree Down Day. And uh, Mama was working, and I'll be honest with you, I, I said something to her last weekend that, uh, so are you going to just sit on the couch all weekend, or are you going to get your tree down? And then I got the luck, so I just <laughs> stayed away from it. Wrong, wrong <laughs> so, answer. No, I, I, I did broach it, Elijah, uh, just so you know, and you, you also know now too, Sharpie, but... Uh, I'm just going to leave her be. <laughs> she worked all last weekend. <laughs> she wants nothing hey. to do with anybody. <laughs> and the 26th hits, there's a lot of people that that tree is coming down. So uh, good on you. I mean, I'm sure you'll have your lights up until about June. So that's good. Never, never <laughs> ever put lights up so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> hey, I would say when it comes to uh, the defense the last couple of years, you know, it's kind of been – you look at the uh, defense two years ago that was an older defense because of the extra year of eligibility, mm-hmm. and that was a defense that was good enough to give you a chance. You know, last year, I think it was too complicated at the beginning of the year, and that's just kind of how Eric Shenander's defense is with all the checks and stuff. And for younger guys, it can be difficult. And then you saw they simplified things, and they became more passionate. They became more aggressive. Um, so, you know, it's been a mixed bag the last couple of years. I, I think the takeaway, whether it be Tony White or Marcus Satterfield yesterday, guys, is you can tell that they've done their homework about the Big Ten and, and maybe a little bit of their homework about the current roster and what has uh, held Nebraska back. I, I think they just I, – I was impressed yesterday, and, and trust me, some of the things that were said, whether it be a fullback or play with passion, this fan base is going to hold them accountable. But I also didn't think – they're not overthinking things. You know, we, we, we sometimes we want to we wanna go so deep on what ails Nebraska football or, or how to fix it. I think we heard two guys yesterday that are just, you know what, hey, it's the basics of football. Let's don't overthink football. And if we can do the basics, then everything else is going to fall in line. So that was, a, that was a nice little, you know, early January uh, football uh, discussion yesterday. And, and, and I think what those guys are saying, I believe, it's just now what they have in place it's can they find the pieces that are on the current roster to put those in those spots to, to make them successful. 
Gary Sharp is with us here. It's a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, one of the things that I thought was really fun from yesterday's press conference was Marcus Satterfield talking about uh, coaching with UT Chattanooga and coming to Nebraska back in 2011, running a fullback dive on the first play as an homage to the, the Nebraska of old. And one thing that I thought was a little bit interesting was that was also the season, 2011, that Nebraska first started playing around with the no-huddle offense, and it it's just interesting whenever you talk about Marcus Satterfield yesterday talking about how he's on a crusade to bring back the huddle to football. And I want to get your take on the no huddle versus the huddle argument. When you, when you talk about pro-style offenses, I mean, a lot of NFL offenses are huddling up too, but college football it seems like the standard now is to go no huddle. So, so what's your take on the huddle? Do you like the huddle coming back to Nebraska? Well, I, I, I think it's important at times to have a huddle. Um, and and I also think it's in times important to go with tempo. And I think you'll see um, both of those. Another thing about that. So when somebody stands in front of you and they talk about we're going to utilize the fullback, we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage, and we're going to bring back the huddle. The one thing I I, I, I think I enjoyed about hearing Coach Satterfield talk yesterday is he explained things. You just don't say, okay, we're going to bring the fullback back. You explain why you're going to bring it back or why you want to have a huddle and what it means in terms of leadership and, you know, and just in understanding the play. So I think that's important. I just think, you know, we, we talked about this when he was hired, guys, that if you look at Marcus Satterfield's coaching career, he has really adapted to all the different places he's been, whether it be in a warm weather place, whether it be in an FCS school, now in a Big Ten school, that he's had a lot of experience with different offenses, and he's kind of adapted them to your environment and your league. So that's what I'm excited to see. And what he said yesterday, boy, that just resonates. That, that, that's like Big Ten football. That's what's made Big Ten football in the West Division pretty successful. Again, don't overthink things. But I'm thinking, if they're going to bring back the fullback, can we eventually get back to, and I know they won't run entirely out of the eye, can we bring back the eye back? Because there was something special about the depth chart at Nebraska that everybody else has an R or they have a T next to the B. Nebraska had the I. Um, so, I mean, if we're going to go fullback, we might as well go all in. Let's bring back the monster back. Let's bring back Mike. Let's bring back Sam. Let's bring back Will. Let's just go all in on the past. Well, as long as we're just taken from the, the, the greatest hits, can we get Mike Brown in a rover, too? Can we do a rover? Yeah, hey, well, and you know what? And kind of probably in the in the three three five, we're going to get a semblance of that position. Yeah, I mean, let's – hey, let's just run it back, boys. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No one ever complains about that around here. No. And listen, <laughs> you, you run it back. And that's what was so pretty – pretty cool to hear coach white talk about was and he's kind of in our age range sharpie where you you got out of high school well well, pearl jam and nirvana were dominating the charts and oh yeah by the way nebraska was on new year's day winning and crushing people i mean that 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 sweet spot and he was pretty uh, genuine with his take i mean about what do you mean, turn down Nebraska? What do you mean, what, what about the job? I mean, the, the, the name and brand still, still has a lot of weight with people of a certain age, Gary. Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, you know, the three of us and everybody else, we cover this every day and we're surrounded by it 365, 24-7. It is kind of refreshing to hear people from the outside come to Nebraska 
and kind of what they thought about before they got here and in a brief time how they've been treated um, kind of how how big this job is how cool this job is and and I think it's important when you're a new coach because you know what this is going to be like the first time you lose or you go through some adversity it's going to start to wear on you because of all the attention around the program but I, I think it's it I think it's refreshing to hear people talk about the past that you know, it's not around it every day and how important Nebraska football was to them. And I also think, you know, and, and again, this is way down the line. I think we're in for the long haul here. Um, you know, these guys kind of look at it as a responsibility. And I, I think the previous staff that have come in here have done the same thing as a responsibility to get Nebraska back to being respectable, you know, where they're competing on Saturdays and Saturdays matter again. I just have a sense with this new group to hear them talk because every recruit will say, They've got a plan. They've got a plan. I've heard coaches that they visited say they've got a plan. And you know what? They're uber confident. So that at least gets you, gets you feeling in the right direction that they do have a plan. And it's not just a plan. They have pieces to the plan. And, again, I was, that was good yesterday. I, I was encouraged to hear some stuff, to hear some good football talk by the two coordinators, who will probably also be the first two coordinators paid a million or more at Nebraska. Gary Sharps with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Gary, you talk about that plan. It's, it's been a unified front from both Satterfield and Rural on wanting to run the football and, and kind of getting Nebraska back to their roots in that sense. And I think from coaches to fans, everyone knows the first step in that process is going to be rebuilding that offensive line, getting them back closer to what, to what we used to have here at Nebraska. And I want to get your take. I mean, Matt Rule seemed bullish on the offensive line in his opening press conference, or I should say his signing day press conference, saying, I'm not as down on the offensive line as a lot of people are. I still have a lot of hope for them and a lot of confidence in them, yet he's bringing in transfer portal visitors, guys that he wants to bring in and add to the competition in that room. Well, what's your take on, on that Matt Rule comment now a couple weeks on, seeing Matt Rule go to the transfer portal for offensive linemen? And, and what's your take, your confidence level in Nebraska's offensive line as it stands right now? Well, I think in terms of uh, adding bodies, you never say no to guys that you feel like can help you. And You know, you think about it, that, that offensive line room is actually kind of light in terms of scholarship guys. So I don't have a problem trying to upgrade your roster at any time. If you feel like you have the opportunity to add another body, whether they come in and be a starter or not, or whether they challenge somebody who is the heir apparent, I'm all for that. I think when you look at that rule and, and, and adding Satterfield's comments yesterday, I think he believes that as he went back and he discussed the last year's offensive line woes, there were some issues of teaching. There were some issues of a brand-new first-year offensive line coach. There was a disconnect between the offensive line coach, probably the head coach, and a little bit of the OC in terms of the play calling that he believes that because Matt Rule is so hands-on, especially how he's going to be with offensive line, and picking Satterfield and retaining uh, Donovan Riola, that he can put both of those together that they're going to be able to overcome some of the things that ailed the offensive line. And then I also think he is really, really banking on that strength and conditioning and what they're going to do differently in more explosive and quicker and more speed with offensive linemen will benefit some guys that probably their bodies have been in the wrong place. But, you know, he has put it out there that the offensive line is going to be front and center on where this program is going. And so I do like this. He's taking accountability, and he's going to step up, and he's going to back that up. There's a lot of things here that Matt Rule is either hiring or saying that you kind of either got to give him the benefit of the doubt or trust because you've seen it before. But people are going to hold him accountable, but I believe that he will hold himself accountable as well, whether it be a staff hire that doesn't work out and, and, and you know, not cut your teeth in the Big Ten, or in particular that offensive line. Because he doesn't, you don't make a comment like that 
and then have that offensive line be one of the, the weaknesses of your team. So I expect him to be very much hands-on. I expect him to upgrade that roster, and I expect him to be able to find the, the right button to push with the certain guys, like a Corcoran, um, like a Ben Hart, guys we've been waiting on. Is it finally going to click under this new, uh, this new uh, coaching staff? Sharpie, I think that's exciting. I think that's exciting to, to put as much emphasis on the offensive line and know that it's not just a great soundbite or what people want to hear, but to make sure you are physically hands-on enough to deliver. And that's something that I think you can, you can let yourself smile about with several sets of eyes that have O-line experience taking this offensive line to a spot they've never been, letting Riola do what he thinks they can do best and, and being able to communicate that to an offensive coordinator and a head coach. We, we, we've seen too many years of uh, not folks not being on the same page. I'm excited if I'm a Nebraska fan that it will finally be uh, a one sheet that everyone knows how to read. Well, I think here's the thing. Like, we're going to watch two teams play on Monday night in Los Angeles for the national yeah. championship. And they definitely got an identity. What have we talked about for years around here, guys? Mm-hmm. Nebraska. What's the identity of Nebraska football? There's, there's the part of this is what I want to be, this is what I can be, and this is what I am. So I think what you're starting to see here, because every new staff comes in here and they say, hey, this is what we want to do. This is, this is who we want to be. But – how long do they take to get to that identity or do they ever get to that identity? And they keep telling you what they want to be. I think Matt rule has an understanding of the big 10. And I think also has probably gotten people in his ear about what has ailed Nebraska in the last five plus years and said, we're going to establish an identity. I look around and I look at a Wisconsin and Iowa and a Minnesota, even in Illinois, teams that are, that are physical, that establish the line of scrimmage, and that's what we need to do to be successful. So we're not only going to say that, we're going to, with our actions, either recruiting to that or how we're going to play is going to back that up. And, and, and I, feel that, I feel a sense of I believe Matt Rule when he says we're going to establish an identity, and it's going to start at the line of scrimmage, that this isn't just you know, hot air that's been thrown around in the past we've all rolled our eyes. I believe that his emphasis, because he doesn't fail at any attempt to bring up the line of scrimmage or his assistants bringing it up, that this will finally happen at Nebraska, and we'll see how much of a benefit that is for Nebraska and if they're built for it and if they establish an identity. And once they establish an identity, then you can move from there, and that's portable from Saturday to Saturday. Gary, what's your take on, on the difference in what we've seen this offseason between Nebraska and Wisconsin? With Nebraska and Matt Rule saying they're going to go with an old-school, huddle-up, pro-style offense, and meanwhile, Wisconsin brings in Luke Fickle, who brings in an offensive coordinator that, at least within his history, likes to air it out close to an air-raid offense. What's your, what's your take on, on the two directions those programs are moving? I'm wondering what the heck is going on. Who, who are those people in Madison, and who are those people in Lincoln? It's almost like they, they are switching identities, but... You have head coaches, and you hire coordinators, and you work to their strength. We'll see if that can work in Madison when the wind is picking up in uh, November. I mean, you can throw the ball in cold weather. It's all about the wind, and we know where places are windy uh, around the Big Ten in the month of November. I, I think you have to be comfortable with how you're building your roster. And, and I'm curious about what, well, the way Wisconsin is going. I mean, they're going all in on the skill guys. You know, they're going in on a quarterback. I mean, we, 
What has sailed Wisconsin or held them back from making that next step? It's the quarterback play. So they've upgraded that position or at least given you some encouragement by guys that are pretty dynamic that are not Graham Mertz. Um, and on Nebraska, Nebraska's kind of going with the Wisconsin model. I, I think, guys, this last year of the West Division, it's going to be fascinating. I, as you wake up today, who is going to be the favorite? I mean, Illinois, they have to replace their defensive coordinator, but, boy, they have a lot coming back. I mean, I think Purdue is going to take a step back. You know, Minnesota is losing all their assistant coaches and they're hiring guys that are, you know, old enough to be our kids. Um, you know, and then you have Nebraska and Wisconsin, and, and Iowa has Cade McNamara. I mean, I, I think the last year of the West Division, it's not probably going to get the love because we don't have Michigan and Ohio State. But I tell you, there are a ton of storylines that are going to dominate in 2023 in this division. Sharpie, I want to zoom out and end with uh, some Big Ten. You mentioned Minnesota. Why the uh, the departures? I mean, Siaraka's off to Rutgers, and I know a paycheck's a paycheck, but you're having folks leave, uh, row the boat land in droves, and they've, they've been very successful. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one that is surprising to me because they brought him back and you saw the, the difference in their offense. And remember, they're going to make a transition to, I think they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, um, maybe be a little bit more balanced. Uh, coming up next year because of who they're going to have at quarterback, and they have you know some pretty good wide receivers. That one was really really shocking, but I do wonder this, and and this is this is not oh my gosh, this is you know I can't believe you're saying this. There are a lot of people, whether it be a player or a coach, you know maybe PJ Fleck wears you out after a while. Um, you know maybe that that you get about two or three years, and you either realize he's. It, it, you can handle that or you can't, and you make a decision to move on. But I tell you, that one was the surprising one, to stay in conference and go to Rutgers, especially when you brought him back and you liked where your offense was going. But, again, there always seems to be another side to the story, so we don't know internally what was going on. But here we go, guys. We look at Brett Bielema. We look at P.J. Fleck. We look at, like, I'll go way back to Hayden Fry. When you feel like you have a really good staff and all of a sudden they start getting – better opportunities or parallel opportunities or to become head coaches, the sign of a really good head football coach is when you have openings, do you hire above what you just lost because you can't take a step back? And we will be very curious to see what Minnesota does. But I think it's alarming to have at this time of the year, after all of the, the bowl season and everything, the people are, are leaving off of P.J. Flex's uh, staff. I, there's there's got to be more to this story than we're, we, uh, we know from the uh, outset. Gary Sharp with his Sharpie. We will get your recap and reaction to Council Bluff standout Max Duggan and the national title game uh, Monday night uh, next weekend. But it should be a lot of fun for folks in this area, in your area, with uh, with what uh, can transpire. But have, you, have yourself a weekend. Have a good call this weekend. And thanks for taking time with us this morning, man. Hey, I will tell you that uh, Minnesota and Nebraska play in two hours, and I'm in Minneapolis. Uh, let's hope that the uh, shooting is a lot warmer inside of the barn than it is outside. It is zero right now, and there are 15 <laughs> inches of snow on the ground. Well, uh, heat up, get a cup of coffee, and, and stay warm, my friend. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, guys, as always. Appreciate it. A Huda Media Production.